You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we're here to talk about day three draft picks. Yeah, coming from the future, Grump. How are you? Uh, we started with talking with the first uh, three rounds already. Let's just dive deeper into the into the guts of this draft class and see what we got. Any any hidden gems? Any things that you know? You know, we may not have been excited about that night, but could be something that could be very exciting. Sure. Um, and the Giants traded away their fourth-round draft pick, uh, moving up for Jalen Hyatt, I believe. Um, but they did still have a fifth-round draft pick at 172, in which they selected Eric Gray, running back from Oklahoma. I am not at all surprised the Giants drafted a running back in like the upper middle rounds or whatever. I actually repeated it all draft season. Um Eric Gray comes with like a lot of production in the last year. Uh, balanced ability to run and receive. 5'9", 207 pounds. He is pretty damn shifty. A variety of little juke moves. Very good at stopping and starting. Um, really good jump cutter. The way he runs, it will remind you a little bit of the way Ahmad Bradshaw ran. Not nearly as physical and aggressive, but that way where he's just kind of hopping forward like laterally, if you know what yeah. I mean. Like he's mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. like jumping around, and he always kind of falls forward. Um, he's got really good vision behind the line of scrimmage, really good patience as well. Uh, but beyond that, he's an excellent receiver out of the background. He's got good hands. He runs pretty crisp routes. Um, he's a good running back route runner. Don't think of Christian McCaffrey where he's like half a slot receiver. It's not like that at all. But for the running back routes, he runs them well, uh, crisp. He gets separation, and he catches the ball well. Um, he does a lot of the little things well too. He's a he's a solid running back. Like he has a good understanding of when it's time to kind of dance, when it's time to just put your head down and churn or you know surge through. Uh, he also does a good job of maintaining angles behind the line of scrimmage and um, sort of setting up second level defenders for his like big cut, and he can kind of you know work his speed that way. But his big weaknesses: why is he a fifth round pick if he's such a balanced running back? He doesn't have top-end speed, and it's pretty obvious. Um, as a blocker, I would consider him functional. I would say he needs work. And I also think he doesn't break, break a lot of tackles. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Like, when I, when I so, tell you all that. So two kind of thoughts go into my head when we talk about him. One, this is not a guy we drafted with the thought that if Saquon Barkley is ultimately traded – or you know, after after this year is no longer in the plans for the future. This is not the heir apparent of Saquon Barkley, correct? We did not draft this guy to, to potentially be a future starter. Or, I, I mean, I don't think so. No, but I mean, I have I have an elaborate thought on that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I we we talk about Saquon Barkley as like a whatever, like a running back one or or a lead dog or. You know this all-star talent whatever i don't think that this coaching staff is looking to replace that at all 
Well, I, I, I don't think they're looking for the does it all running back lead dog guy. I don't think they're even interested in it. Right, but I, I think what I'm thinking is it's like, is this guy the safety net in case Saquon's no longer here? Like, okay, well we got we got the next guy. I, I don't think that this guy is it. So that makes me think of the backups we have. You know, Matt Braid of Gary Brightwell. You know, who's the odd man out with this uh, with this draft pick? Brightwell. Right, well. Yeah. I mean, and it's not even because he's anything bad. I just don't think – so here's what I really think. I, I think the Giants are slowly building a, a roster. I mean, they're, they're making some quick moves to stay competitive and deal with what they have, but they are slowly behind the scenes building a roster that is modeled after the Chiefs, Eagles, Bills thing in, in using an effective rotation of, like, middle-tier guys at running back while they are currently – perfectly happy with Saquon Barkley being an all-star and kind of an offensive weapon no matter where you line him up they're they're going to keep that for like the next one to three years maximum um but not beyond that and I don't think they're going to replace that I think um like Barkley's not going to be replaced by Gray alone nor will he Mm -hmm. be replaced by any one guy I think he'll be slowly replaced by adding more of these middle tier guys into a rotation do I think that Eric Gray could become the lead dog among those guys, it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought that about Ahmad Bradshaw as a seventh-round draft pick when we had him, and he kind of became that at a later date. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out or anything like that, but right. I don't I don't anticipate it. But I do think that like even in year one, I think he's going to contribute a lot. I think I think you could see some gimmicky, fun red zone stuff, you know, where you just need the two yards or or. Uh, a two-point conversion thing that might utilize both Barkley and him for their receiving ability in their in, in the game. Seems like we're acquiring a bunch of those guys. Like you know, you could throw into that bucket even like a gimmicky like a Wendell Robinson or something. You know, absolutely. So yeah, I mean that's again when you talk gimmicky, and I hate to use that word gimmicky, but I instantly think of Kansas City where their, their offense isn't gimmicky, but they have lots of little unorthodox players and plays. And maybe we see more of that. Yeah, I mean, it's really not because it's not the entire offense built on these gadget things. It's just like any time that they need one or two yards, traditional football thought is to surge forward. Um, They do like all sorts of crazy lateral shit and they Mm -hmm. line up in weird formations and they dance around in a circle in the huddle. That's kind of gimmicky. Um, It also I don't think it worked, right? No. Um, but like they're they're going to do non-traditional things to do that. It's not how they get down the field. That's how they maintain drives. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I could see. I mean, I I think that uh, we'll we'll see Eric Gray on the field this year. I I think um, in some aspects. And remember, I, this is all more legs to give Barkley more rest. I mean, we saw what happened to this team when he went down in a period. They had to. I mean, whatever. We could talk ad nauseum about different offensive philosophies or whatever, but there was clearly a problem when he was not feeling his best, and they would like mm-hmm. to avoid that while they have to pay him. Yep. Um, at pick 209 in round six, the Giants selected cornerback from Old Dominion, Trey Hawkins the third. He was probably not high on a lot of people's radars, but he was brought in for a top 30 visit with the Giants, so I had taken a quick look at him when i found that out and i saw all the telltale signs of yeah for a late round pick i could totally see them pulling the trigger on this 6 190 pounds 32 and a half inch arms runs a 4 3 9 40 time 
does 17 bench press reps does not sound like a ton but for a, a lean uh-huh. corner that's that's pretty good especially with longer arms um he is incredibly fast and long and it shows up in the in the tape for sure uh he's aggressive in coverage he's aggressive in tackling i think he can make an excellent seven, second level blitzer um and in run support i mean He's more than willing to come down and lay the hammer. He likes doing it. He's a good hitter. He also rips at the ball. He forces, or at least tries to force turnovers often. I mean, you'll see him, oftentimes he's right by the sideline, so that shit goes out of bounds. But he's always, always scratching and clawing at the ball. Just the little things that like are part of you as a person that you can't teach somebody, right? So it sounds like a lot of attributes that works well in a wink defense exactly everything says wink martindale i mean this is a sixth round pick don't get me wrong he did not produce a lot in coverage in college um he is raw he's going to need a lot of coaching up and a lot of his he he was able to recover from missteps by being really fast but those missteps happen like right at the line of scrimmage and you see it consistently like it's a problem for him at the release point you know when you talk about a six round pick and you give examples of guys that are like, well, look at him, look at him. Don't let exceptions prove rules. Never. And six round picks are guys that they're kind of like lottery picks, where you, you take a shot on someone. You know, best case scenarios, they're on the roster for a couple of years until they're replaced with another six round pick, and maybe, you know, somebody might pan out and become a regular rotation guy, and even less likely is that they become, you know, a star. So. As we go through these guys, we go further and further down, you know, don't being like, oh, well, he can't do this. He can't do this. That's, where, that's why these guys are down there. And, you know, you, you're, you're hoping for the best with them. So, again, a guy like him who fits a lot of the attributes that a Wink Barton Dill defense will work means at least you're starting with something that's a possibility. And there's no risk nearly by taking a flyer on a guy in the sixth round as the first second round and – you know, we see how it goes. He may not even make it out of training camp. He might, you know, maybe sniff a, a special teams. He might be in the rotation. He, hell, he might start by week 14. Who knows? So, but temper your expectations as we're talking about these guys going forward. Yeah, I mean, in the sixth round, you have a guy sitting there that has all the unteachable things already there and just needs to work on the teachable things. Uh-huh. I think at least. I mean, I don't know what his – he seems like a pretty, you know – pretty standard guy uh i don't think he was old dominion a big dummy or anything like that but right but he played at old dominion so it's a school that probably doesn't have the resources that would you know a a power five or or an sec school would be he's not playing against competition that makes you better he's that may not have the facilities the coaching all of that stuff so you know these are diamonds potentially in the rough and we just gotta you know dig yeah i mean i I think He's a he's a perfect candidate for special teams in my opinion because he is fast and he likes to hit and he hits well. But I mean, aside from that, even though he has like a long way to go to be considered any kind of like major contributor in the secondary, um, I still expect Wink to give him a fair amount of snaps. Uh, partially because we saw him do that with Rodarius Williams, um, mm-hmm. who is not a run defender whatsoever. He's a pure man. He will just turn his back and follow. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's even less of a fit than what we're talking about right now. And, right. and, you know, partially because that's how the scheme goes. You know what I mean? Like, they, they need many bodies back there. He likes multiple DBs. He, I could see him as being used in blitz packages, whether he's blitzing or not. 
-hmm. run formations, tight run formations. Uh, I could see him there. Uh, if he could get his shit together at the line of scrimmage, scrimmage it would, that would be a huge step for him towards becoming, over time, like a depth piece or something like that, cleaning up a little bit in coverage as well. But, you know, I would... I could see him contributing in this defense, but I, you know, when we talk about starter stuff, it's all the uh, teachable stuff. And mm -hmm. remember, he's going to a good coach. You know, you have right. Jerome Henderson back there uh, teaching DBs. There's there's a good chance that um, the the teachable stuff is taught, and he yeah. is a contributor over time. But you know, give it time. Yep. I mean, if their evaluation a guy like him, maybe he's a, a higher ceiling guy than you know. Worth the risk for the potential based on what they think they can mold in. Well, there's no risk, but yeah. I mean, you know what I mean, though. Just worth, like, worth, the, worth the investment. Yeah. Right. A better word. Um, at pick 243 in round seven, the Giants selected defensive tackle from Oregon, Jordan Riley, uh, Jor I, which I was spelling wrong up until today uh, <laughs> with a second O. 6'5", 338 pounds. He ran a 5'2", time with that weight, which is pretty fast. My God. Um, and a 1.89 10-yard split. So he is quick, gigantic and quick, and you see it. Um, I really like the way he uses his like arms and hands pretty well for uh, you know a guy coming out of college. Really does a good job of like wrestling them and kind of just doing a good job of grappling, really. Um, and all the while churning his lower body. Um, my biggest thing with him is you know he's obviously he's got the NFL size kind of already there at three thirty eight. You don't really need to get much bigger than that. He's got pretty close to NFL quickness. He's got the, the hands thing. He kind of has an understanding. He's going to have to keep working on it, whatever. He needs strength. Uh, I, I think there is a huge over-reliance of just using good leverage and using his weight at the college level to win. And, uh, I mean, it, it didn't win a ton at college. Otherwise, we'd have heard of him. Um, and on top of that, that's just not going to work at the NFL level. So here's here's a little theory I have. You know, we just talked about someone at Old Dominion who may not have the facilities and the coaching to maximize what they can do, but a guy like him comes from Oregon, which might be the most funded football program in the country. You know, they have all the Nike money in the world. They get all the facilities, all the you know the support and everything. And when you hear like it's a weight thing. It's like, why isn't this guy, you know, why hasn't his body been chiseled the way it needs to be at this point? So just maybe a completely out of left field thought, but uh, I don't know. No, I mean, I don't think that's totally, I think that's actually a pretty good observation. Uh, I think mm -hmm. for him, it's not really like that his weight is out of control. I just think he relied too much on it rather than building, I would say probably specifically lower body strength you know like thicker legs and you know more powerful legs and kind of using that to your advantage to drive guys back but he also didn't do the bench press at his pro day so hmm. i mean it could be upper body as well but i definitely think there's a strength problem there i think you know last year the giants with just joe shane trusting a very small circle of scouts or whatever took dj davidson in an earlier round i want to say the fifth round could have been a sixth round it doesn't matter um yeah. it wasn't seventh I think this guy has a better chance to develop under Andre Patterson, the D-line coach, uh, than Davidson, not even counting the fact that Davidson's coming off an ACL. Just when I A-B them, I just I see more with uh, Jordan Riley. Uh, he just looks a little cleaner to me, and I think adding strength is not a difficult thing 
You know, it shouldn't no. be a difficult thing. I mean, you, it, you have an NFL paycheck and all you got to do is eat right and hit the fucking weights, then you hit the weights. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, I just made this analogy, this comparison between Old Dominion and Oregon, but the gulf between Oregon and an NFL team mm-hmm. as far as strength, facilities, nutrition, all of that, you know. And then again, as a professional, that is all you have, you have to worry about school and other bullshit and everything. Yeah. You he's in the best of hands being on in any NFL team as opposed to college, you know. So let's see what uh that investment is over this offseason starting right now to get him into you know the proper size and working on his, you know, strength and everything. Yeah, I mean I mean I I I think that he has a better chance. He could flame out. Uh, I just, I think he has a decent shot of getting a practice squad shot at the very least. Okay. Um, something like that. I mean, because you know, six five, three hundred thirty eight pounds does not come by too often. So, hey, you know, also especially with the too, quickness that's with it. I remember something too. You know, as we're talking about guys in the seventh round, is that as this roster is getting better, you know, as this rebuild continues. These guys have less of a chance of sticking around. You don't have to rely on a seventh-round pick sticking and having any sort of contribution unless as a major one. So this is kind of where you want your your organization to be heading in, where it's like you take a flyer on a guy, you know, but there's some stiff competition ahead of you. And uh, that's the direction we seem to be heading in. Yeah, exactly. This guy takes a practice squad spot, and you can develop him into that – fifth defensive tackle role then it's a net win i mean that's on what a, you want on a time frame that's best for him not rushing right. we no no, no. Him. i'm, I'm saying over time you develop oh, that's great him, and it's yeah. just a seventh round pick i mean absolutely for and sure again you're going with the the unteachables you got the size the quickness i mean you could you you don't even have to teach strength you just got to give him weights can't teach speed my friend yeah at pick 254 in round seven, the Giants selected Javarius Owens, a defensive back, I guess specifically a safety, from Houston. He is 6 feet, 195, 32-inch arms. Um, I think the main thing that comes off for me is just nothing really truly flashy, and I'm not going to get too heady here with the specific breakdowns or anything like that, but nothing flashy but smart. He seems to be lined up well, which, you know, safety's... If you're doing that, like it's never going to be a flashy highlight, but being in the right place is the most important thing that you can do. You know, we talked about Sidney Brown was a guy I really liked at Illinois. He went, I think, in the second round. I don't even remember now. Um, but he was like a firecracker running all over the field and making these splash plays and jumping around over people and into people. But a big problem for him is that he would be out of position sometimes because – you know, whatever. And it's like all that good stuff you do, you get them in third and 13. If you just gamble and you give up a 70-yard bomb, it doesn't matter. That's horrible. Yeah. Yep. And I don't see a lot of that with like Javarius Owens. You're not going to get either side of that. You're not going to get the flashy play or the big problem. You just get a responsible coverage guy. He remains in good position. He seems to have a good understanding of concepts. But, I mean, this is a guy who's not NFL fast. I'm thinking he runs something in the upper four fives, probably close to four six. His pro day was four five two. I don't ever this, really trust those though. This sounds like a practice squad guy who's a good scout team mimicker, like a smart guy. Like this is what we need you to do. He just doesn't execute at a level that we need him to be on the field on Sundays. 
Yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts are, for now, special teams at best. I, I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's likely this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But he knows how to play safety, it seems. And as long as he can pace along and learn the adaption to the NFL game, I think that, like, in a year, he could make some preseason noise and have, like, a depth role that really is just gets him a special team spot, like a, a, a yeah. jersey. Which, you know, especially now, may not mean anything on that initial 53. It might just, you know, he might be hopping on and off the roster. But those special teams plays, they could come in into, uh, I don't want to talk too much about special teams, but that might be where he lands, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I Also, I don't think he's going to be like a special teams all-star. But, you know, not, not, not anything bad might be good on kickoff teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's weird is I do think because of, like, he seems smart. He's always kind of in the right position. The, I think there's like this weird outside chance, and I'm not even saying with the Giants, just in his career, that he could – he has the capability to just become that NFL productive just by being a right place, right time guy in a really aggressive defense that forces a lot of errant throws and pressures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I could see him just like – do you remember when we had Stevie Brown who was just like sure. this random veteran safety and then he had like – like a 12 interception season or something insane. Right. And he was just kind of right place, right time. Exactly. So you just have to be in the right place. Wait, wait, you, know, first. you have to be smart more mm-hmm. than good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see a long-term trajectory like that for him. But, I mean, that is the absolute stretch of it for him. <laughs> That's really putting it out there. Right. But overall, for a seventh-round pick, I think this is good. You're getting special teamers. That's That's good. Listen, when you're getting down to these like these low draft picks, the both you want to foster competition during training camp to build your team. And if these guys can at least provide a little bit of a push to other guys in camp, you know, so it's not guys that may or may not be NFL quality players, at least, you know, put the fear of God into them, they may not make a roster and make them better, so be it. So everybody isn't drafted for the exact same reason and same purpose. Not everybody's drafted to be a pro bowler or a hall of famer. Sometimes in your organization, you are drafting for, you know, someone to be adequate on, on special teams or someone who's going to be, we need a good guy for the practice squad or something. So again, temper expectations for these guys down here. And, uh, you know, maybe they surprise. And if not, no harm, no foul. And uh, this weekend is kind of the time to see. Uh, OTAs start this upcoming weekend. By the time you guys are listening to this, I hope, uh, recording this way in advance. So I mm-hmm. hope that all lined up right. But Hopefully uh, this yeah, hopefully this playoff beer is still in effect. Hopefully, you know, all these good things are happening by the time you're catching this. Yeah, so um, excited for OTAs. I am really – OTA – minicamp to me happens so close after the draft that I don't ever really get excited for it. But mm-hmm. OTAs are the first time where I get like – I'm at work, and it's also, I think it's the time because it's around Memorial Day, but like it's like that Friday, and I'm at work, and I'm just like, I don't feel like working today. And I'm just scrolling through, like <laughs> looking for any little video of like somebody a clip making from a somebody. And it's yeah. like, here's John Michael Schmitz stretching. I'm like, yeah, give me Ooh, more of that whoa, shit. Whoa, yeah, let's analyze yeah. that. Special episode coming up. Yeah, Bird's exactly. Spot. So, yeah, OTAs well, are one of my, and, and it's like, you do that, and then you know you have this stretch of time to just kind of vacation, and then it's training camp. So it's yeah, like, I mean, it's the first time it's your team for this year. Everything else is just kind of, you know, even the mini camp at right after, after the draft, these are guys that are brand new. Some of these guys might not make the roster, but now you're kind of looking forward. Now you're like, we are 
prepping for the season. You know, the the, the mini camp right after is really an, an you know getting adapted to what the league is like and routine and structure. This is sort of like starting to really think about your team, and that's you know we still have a whole late spring and summer to get through before the fall, but it's the first little itch that you get that uh, football will be back soon. Yeah, and I'm excited. So we will be uh, going over the OTAs next week. Um, mm. Should be Monday morning, actually, for Memorial Day, right? Or do you uh, want to post it Tuesday? I don't know. I, th- I think we post it Tuesday. I mean, I know I'm not listening to podcasts on Memorial Day. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess, but whatever. It'll be next week, Monday or Tuesday. Subscribe on YouTube and iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., and you won't have to worry about it. You'll just, you know, get an alert. Uh, hey, we, you know, we got a, a nice little, easier. we got a nice little bump in subscribers lately. You know, Grump did all his work on, you know, way back on the draft with Talking Giants, and, and his YouTube channel is is taking off. So, if you're a Giant fan, do us a favor, tell another Giant fan of yours. I'm, I'm sure you're all in text groups with five or six other Giant fans that you bitch about on every incomplete pass i'd say hey man i listen to these two bozos that uh have a you know their own take on giant football and give us give them a like and give them a subscription give them a five-star rating and uh you know good brother out and we will uh you know we'll buy you a beer at a tailgate or something we'll bribe you but um let's grow this this little community together hell yeah talk to us on twitter as well at football underscore grump at the cranky fan uh, like talking to people on there, even if it's yeah. not about football. Anyway. Hey, hell yeah. like making friends. All right, everyone. We will see you after OTAs and after Memorial Day. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go Giants.